what I didn't understand then that I do now is that self-love is a verb. It's not a state of arrival. It's not a box to check. It's not something that happens if you look a certain way. It is a way of living. Beautiful. Kelsey Wells, welcome to the show. Thank you. We're so excited to have you. For everyone who isn't familiar with Kelsey, I'm sure you are. If, if you don't know the name, maybe you have seen her somewhere. If you're watching, you definitely know who she is. But she's a personal trainer. She's a sweat app coach, a fitness influencer with like over 3 million Instagram followers. And you're a mother and a wife. And I'm sure so many other things on top of that. And We're so excited to hear some of your words of wisdom today. Thank you. I'm really excited to be here. I love podcasts. So, Oh, well, it's nice of you to take the time with clearly a lot of other things that you've got going on. I love hearing in people's own words kind of how they introduce themselves at a party when someone says, what do you do? What do you usually say? Okay, it's actually kind of funny because it's not that straightforward for me. I think um, it's actually really funny that you asked this because just like a week ago, I had this conversation with my husband. Someone asked me what I did. And I was like, oh, I'm a fitness trainer. And we get in the car and Ryan was like, hey, babe, I just, I don't know if you should introduce yourself by saying you're a fitness trainer because you are, but you're so much more. And it was like so sweet. And I was like, well, what should I say? And he was like, I don't know. We were talking about it. And I told him that I'm going to try saying I'm a fitness trainer and an empowerment advocate because I feel like I do a lot. You know, I design activewear and I, I write poetry and I do a lot of different things. I speak, I do like workouts and all sorts of things. But I think the purpose for all that I do is hopefully to help people empower themselves, especially through taking care of their health. So that's what I'm going to say going forward, I think. so. I love that. I feel like what started maybe as just being a fitness trainer, which is still a full job in itself, but has really transformed for you personally into, like you said, really just being like a motivational speaker almost too for people. I feel like I do speak, women I now do go to you. Well, I think for me personally, and some people are like, they want to be a fitness trainer and that's their career. But for me, it never actually was that. It was like, I, of course, wanted to do that. But I always was really clear that this is one vehicle to spread my message and hopefully help shift my industry to be better, especially towards women. And I knew that my training programs would be one vehicle and avenue for that, but I always hoped and knew that there would be more. And so it's really exciting to be, you know, into my career a little bit and being able to start doing more things like launching my retreats and my own podcast and leaning into other avenues as well as my training. So, yeah. I love it. Okay. So also brings up a good thing. I want to hear a little bit about your story. I mean, I, I know a little bit because I've been following along with you. I love how you got into fitness. I just think it's the coolest thing and how it honestly, I always look at fitness influencers and I'm like, oh, they've been working out their whole lives. That's just like kind of their body type. No. Okay. Tell us a little bit about how you got to this career you have now. Oh, yeah. How many hours is this supposed to be? Uh, Um, You know what? We have as many hours as you need, Kelsey. No, girl. It's Let's go. So in a nutshell, um, basically, I, I grew up dancing. And then I had patellar tendonitis pretty severely. And basically, I was inactive, like exercising regularly in any capacity was not a part of my life from 16 or 17 until 24 years old. Um, Completely sedentary lifestyle. I did attempt 
to begin different exercise plans more times than I can count, only to, you know, quit two days, two weeks later, because it was always in this place of trying to shrink myself. And I had a very unhealthy um, internal dialogue. I had quite an unhealthy view of myself and my body. And essentially, um, after I had my son, I was 24 years old, and that was when I was able to implement regular exercise for the first time in my adult life. And looking back, it's really clear for me to understand that it was really, if I distill it, it was because that was the very first time in my life that I attempted to exercise in an effort to help myself and my body heal instead of out of hate for my body. And it turns out that that makes a huge, huge difference. So I kind of had this epiphany and I was like, wow, we've been lied to. And I wanted to like tell every woman who had ever felt not enough or thought that like eating healthy meant starving yourself. I just wanted to shake everyone and be like, guys, it's not what we thought. It's actually not what we thought. Like exercise can be so empowering and freeing and movement is inherent to life. And the fact that an industry has kind of hijacked that from us and then tried to sell it back to us, telling us that it's because however we are isn't enough. It's so backwards on every angle that you look at it, but it became so... um I had so many layers of self-limiting beliefs that were ingrained from diet culture and other things. And so basically my career began during that time, about a year, it was like four months postpartum that I kind of began and I was in a really unhealthy place mentally, emotionally, physically. And I had about a year of doing really hard work. Um, It was very private and personal. I didn't have my Instagram. I didn't have any cute clothes or a fitness watch or any of the things. It was like me and my body in that one bedroom basement apartment. And it um, it changed my life. And in a sense, it really saved me and led me back to me. And so um, I just had this, I found my passion in fitness and I wanted to become a trainer, not at first to change my careers, but because it was like my hobby, it was my outlet. I wanted to understand the science behind what was happening. I felt like I had such a clear view of the mental and emotional shifts that were happening. And I'm like, okay, well, how, you know, and how does body composition actually shift? And I wanted to train safely and understand. So I went on this learning journey for myself first. And about a year later, I began an Instagram page truly in hopes of helping spread this great news to other women. But also I was going through other things in my personal life that were really, really hard. And I desperately wanted a safe space to belong, to show up as I am um, and connect with like-minded women. And uh, yeah, so it, it was kind of born out of that. And, you know, about a year after that, I it's my career and it's a career that I really feel is my calling. So I feel so fortunate. Um, I would have been the last person in the world it, when I was, you know, 18, 20, 21, 22 years old to say like, would you ever be a fitness trainer? It would have been like, absolutely not laugh in your face. And here we are. So you never know, I guess. Life can surprise you. I. It's so interesting because I'm a fellow millennial and I, it always makes me so sad that we grew up during this time where I honestly never thought you worked out for any other reason than to shrink your body. That's just Wild, like, huh? yeah, that is that exactly it. what we were fed. It was like Weight Watchers and the Atkins diet sure. and, and you didn't even and working it. out. It's just like socially acceptable. It's just like, yes, that's why. Like, Oh, yeah. Sucks. And women kind of like only did cardio when you were at the gym. Oh, yeah. It was like, let's yeah. just burn as much fat as possible. 
And luckily, I don't know how you feel being really entrenched in the fitness world, but I feel like that really is changing. Man, I have worked my ass off for seven years to help shift some of those dialogues. Yeah, and thanks to people like you. Progress. I see a lot of progress, especially when it comes to women in the weight room. Um, I mean, I could talk about that alone for hours, but I have pushed so hard. Obviously, I lift weights. That's I have training programs for any phase of a woman's life, but hypertrophy-based weightlifting in the gym is my jam. That's like my sweet spot, how I personally train. Most of my training programs revolve around that and... Just helping women understand that lifting weights can and should be a phenomenal option for every fitness for women. Women belong in the weight room just as much as any man. And mm. there's so many benefits to that, both mentally and physically, right? It's it's so important. So I feel like you're right. I feel like there is a shift um, for the better. And I'm just going to keep trying to help as much as I can with that shift. Yeah, I love it. Well, throughout this journey, and this could be fitness-related advice, or it could be personal life advice, but what would you say is the best advice that you've ever gotten throughout your life so far? I mean, I love quotes. You know, I'm, I'm a big, like, motivational person, but I think... You're in the right place. Direct line of advice from, like, one human to me directly. There's one memory that stands out very clearly, and it was a good friend of mine I was distraught over um, some things that were being said about me that were just not true. And it was kind of at the beginning of my social media presence, but this was like having to do with my personal people who I thought, you know, I could trust. And I was at lunch with her and I was very upset. And she just looked at me and she said, Kelsey, um, what people say about you is on your business. It actually has nothing to do with you. And I was, I could not grasp it. I was like, I need your sympathy. Like, I just, and this is a woman who had been through a lot. She had been a public figure and had a lot of heat and kind of been canceled. And like, she'd been through a lot and she was just so confident in this advice. And man, as the years have gone by, I have reflected on that more times than I can count. And I have seen that true. And I've really come to understand what she meant. And it's been a very, very life-changing advice for me. Hmm. I feel like that's so hard because we just as human beings take things so personally. I feel like, and even if it comes from an absolute stranger, and I mean, that's happened to me on my account too, it feels so personal and it feels like these people are attacking you in such a deep way. Do you have like any advice that you would give to not take it so personally to, I mean, because I feel like it's easy to yeah. hear like, it's none of your business, but I don't know how we're going to really internalize that sometimes. Absolutely. And it, and there was, a, I feel like, many gaps between me hearing that and thinking about that and beginning to understand what she meant, but then actually applying it in a way that could fortify myself to get to a place where really, it takes a lot now to get to me. Like, don't come after my motherhood or my marriage. Other than that, I have a pretty tough skin at this point. Yeah. Um, but it's like, I think, it's it's the awareness of a couple things. First, I get to have full control over my intention and my own authenticity. I get to control the place from which I create my content and how I put myself out there into the world. And I know if that's authentic or, or not. And I know what my personal motive is and my why. I get zero control over how that is perceived. And... Even though it can be hurtful when you create something from an authentic, um, passionate, positive space, and then that's either 
just completely misconstrued or or innocently misinterpreted or hurtful to someone and you just never meant it. Like it can be very tough, but remembering that awareness of like, that's not up to me. You know, if I control those few things so that I can sleep well at night and that I know I'm in line with my personal values and trying to be a kind and honest human, however that's perceived or taken from there, it truly does have nothing to do with me. And you get everything from, you know, um, misunderstandings to just straight absolute hatred. And either way, it's it's not on me. It has more to do with that person, maybe their traumas that they're working through, or maybe they're not in a good place or whatever their perspective is, they can have that. And and it just is, it, it isn't my business. And so just that awareness of those things of like focus on what is in your control and the rest you have to let go of. Um, that I think was the biggest advice that I give to others because that was what has really helped me. I think that's so astute. I, I do think a lot of it comes down to just accepting what you cannot control. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And focusing on the things that you can, right? Taking action from those positive places and then letting the rest uh, go. If you are listening to this podcast, you are probably a fan of inspirational quotes. And if that's the case, then you should check out my book. I feel that it's a cute little retro book with each chapter being a different emotion and then quotes that can help you with that emotion. So if you're looking to support me or the show, if you need a cute little gift for a friend or just something to flip through when you're feeling down one day, then this book is for you. You can purchase it at quotesbychristy.com, which is my website, or the link will be in the show notes. Do you have a worst piece of advice that you've ever gotten? Or maybe if you're a quote girl, maybe it's like a quote that you just like never liked or a mantra that you never liked. There's so many of those horrible diet culture mantras, but I just actually can't even bring myself to repeat them. There is the personal advice I've been given, um, which I just, I knew it was wrong then, and I now know more than ever. Um, I've been told to to be less emotional, less vulnerable. I've been told not to cry uh, online or in a business setting or that it's that's a weakness. And I will stand by this so fervently. I think that vulnerability, it it, it is not synonymous with weakness. I feel like vulnerability brings connection and connection can bring healing. And while, yeah, you don't want to be super vulnerable and share everything with everyone, allowing yourself to be authentic enough to share from a vulnerable place is one of the most powerful things that humans can do to help each other and for yourself to help heal and grow. And damn, like I... I did go through a bit in my career where I would second guess myself or I'm like, oh my God, maybe I'm too much. Um, and I don't anymore. I am a very emotional, deeply feeling human and I no longer apologize if and when I start to cry. And I think more women and, and men need to know that and hear that. Yeah. I think you do such a good job on your social channels, which is most of what I've seen, but in being like, so authentic and thank you we i talk about that with a lot of people who come on the show because it's really not an easy thing and i mean like for me i'm still like really scared to show my face on my page and i mean it like if that like sharing something super personal did you grow into that do you feel like and like did you get kind of negative responses at first was it positive what's kept you staying so authentic? yeah 
It's a really good question. I don't think I've ever been asked that before. You know, from the beginning when I started my this social media page, the one that has turned into my professional page, whatever, yeah. um, I actually made a pact with my husband because I had like a personal little Instagram that was private and it quickly became quite toxic for me with how I was back then. Um, I'd get on, I'd compare myself, I'd feel worse, I'd doom scroll, you know, and I just, it's the highlight reel and all of that. So when I, when I wanted to start this one, I said, this is going to be for me to show up authentically. I, I needed, I wanted so badly to just be super honest, especially in that postpartum phase. Like, here's the shit that no one's telling us, mothers. Yeah. And you, if you have awareness of it, you're not going to feel alone. You might not shame yourself. You might, you know, like I wanted, I came right out the gate with this Instagram page fully authentic and vulnerable because I felt like it was missing. I felt like it was so needed. And also, as I mentioned before, I wanted a space to exist where I could be myself. Um, And I just wanted to call in the people who would see that and the rest like go away. It's not for you. And so I still like I told my husband, if there ever comes a day where I lose sight of that and I am not creating out of authenticity is the day that I delete it. And I will, like, I've never crossed that line. And I continue to push myself. And sure, as the page has grown, it's become sometimes more difficult only because I've learned that the more eyes are on something, the more negativity it's going to bring. It also brings positivity, but damn, like people can be ruthless. And so it's like, it does, it has become a little bit harder, but ultimately for me, it's harder not to. Like, it is so much harder for me to filter myself out until I'm going to please every single one, every person. It's just, it's not possible anyway, but I feel like when I am authentic and the content I create, that's either something I need to hear in that moment or needed to hear previously or something that I feel, some days I just have moments where I feel like I need to post this and I just create it. When I can be authentic, like that's when it's so fulfilling for me. And no matter how that post performs or what people think of it, I feel so good. And so it's easier for me to be authentic. I think that anyone who got on social media later, who who like joined maybe like five years ago, will be like, oh, well, that's cool. But like kind of everyone does that now. But what's really incredible about what you did is that you started doing that when no one was doing it. Like, girl, I'm so glad you recognized that. Can you just say it's about to here? No, it's, but I think that's important to know because now it's so commonplace for people to be really transparent. And I love it. And I think it's a beautiful thing. But when you started like posting pictures of your fitness journey, that was not a thing. People would do it in private and, if they only do it and they say like hashtag abs fitbo and here I was like here's my picture my sports bra but also like this is the panic attack I had last night and you are made for more than sadness and like yeah I'm just writing these paragraph novel captions and that was not a thing back then like it was like no abs fitbo or nothing on the caption right so I appreciate that you see that but I I definitely that's true that's true yeah but I just Kudos to you, because I mean, I think it's it's brave no matter what. It's brave if you do it now or if you did it 20 years ago. But I think that doing it when no one else was doing it and when it felt really like you were kind of isolated in this transparency is 
really incredible. And I think that's Thank probably you. what has drawn so many people to your page. Thank you. So, I really just wanted that. to note that. <laughs> I appreciate it. And I do want to say this just kind of popped into my head. A little like caveat to this vulnerability thing. It is, like you said, it's almost on trend to share your lows or um, show up really vulnerably. And it is so beautiful and good, but I feel like it always has to come back to intention um, because I think for true vulnerability, that only can ever stem from authenticity. And you will know and you'll feel the difference. Like you never owe the world anything as far as sharing. So I just... I hate to see people feel pressured into um, sharing more than they might want to or more than they feel called to. You don't ever need to feel that pressure, right? Like if you're, especially like if you're going through something hard, sometimes I feel like, yes, I want to share this in real time. This feels aligned and I will, but sometimes I need to go through it first and I need to make sure that I'm at a healthy, healthy enough place before I share any piece of that. And then I can know how I want to share that and and you know what I mean? So I just want to say, like, yeah. of course, be vulnerable. But in saying that, I don't ever want to be misinterpreted to be like, share all of you all the time, because it's not that either. You know, it's about safeguarding your heart and yourself and sharing authentically. And then the vulnerability, like you'll be vulnerable with whom and how and when um, you feel like you should. And that might yeah. be just for your mom or your best friend. And that might be for Instagram. And that's up to you. So. I think that is a wonderful note because I do almost feel like sometimes there's like this performative vulnerability that also circulates around the internet. And maybe even if it's not performative, like I do think something. Yeah. Yes. Pressured. Because I mean, I've even felt like that. I'm like, well, maybe if I like let people in more, like they'll feel a little bit closer to me on my page. And I'm like, that's just not what I feel comfortable with. That's never how I like, like process my emotions. Like, I'm just not that kind of person. But like you said, some people, it helps them heal and it helps them cope. And I think there is a like really important distinction to be made on like, Definitely. is this going to help you or is this something you're doing because you feel like you need to? Yes. And I think that's very important for people to remember. And I also think one kind of roadmap to that, if I would, I would never share vulnerably out of anger or... Yeah. Um, we obviously all have to process all of our emotions, but I feel like if you're in an angry place or like very upset, like you have to do some, you know, like you need to process that on your own. Yeah. And then you'll know, you know, how to, how, I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah. But that's like one thing that I always Absolutely. guide myself. Like if I'm feeling really fired up, I'm like, okay, is this productive, like passionate? Or is this like, am I going to create out of a negative space? And I never want to be creating out of a negative space, so... Yeah, absolutely. I think it goes back to like you were saying, the intention behind why you're posting and what you're posting. Um, Do you have a best lesson or a biggest lesson that you've learned from one of the most difficult times of your life so far? Yeah, I mean, I feel like every one of my darkest nights or most difficult times in life has turned out to be my greatest catalyst for growth and my biggest teachers. And I think that's not like a new thought by any stretch. Lots of people will tell you, um, you know, the same. Um, I think lots of people who have achieved a lot will say like it started here. And I think it's interesting that most stories, the villain and the hero always have one thing in common is that like they have a very hard origin story, but it's what you do with that that counts. And um, 
I think one very kind of direct example with like health and fitness was um, learning that, you know, I talk a lot about discipline and consistency and choosing to take care of yourself and your health. I'm very big on uh, choosing your why, your fundamental why. And while physical goals can be fun and motivating if they're gone about in a healthy way um, and never to shrink yourself, but like, I want to get stronger. I want to do 12 pull-ups or whatever it is, like that can be fun and motivating, but there should always be a foundational why for your movement. And that is to care for yourself and your multifaceted health and to move from a place of empowerment. And I've said this for years and a couple of years ago, uh, like two years ago this week, I had a big wreck ski and I had to have an ankle reconstructive reconstruction surgery. And for the first time since I became active, you know, like, wow, it's going to be coming up on nine years. Um, I had to truly like rest and not like for a week or two because I was sick, but like I had my surgery. I was in a splint on bed rest, like no movement could barely get up to go to the bathroom for two and a half weeks. And then I went into a hard cast where I was on crutches or on like a knee scooter. And then I had to truly like relearn to walk. Like it was a long road of recovery. And at first there was a lot of panic because I definitely use exercise as a tool to care for myself and my health. But I had this epiphany and it was like, whoa, I'm thinking about my why that I always like preach to everyone else. And it's like, okay, so if usually exercise is my tool to care for myself and my physical health, then right now, how do I care for myself and my physical health? By resting, by doing nothing, by going to my physical therapy appointments and wiggling my toes. And I learned to take just as much pride in doing nothing as I previously would have in training, um, you know, a certain way to take care of myself because it's about caring for yourself and your health. And that period of time, it looked like a lot of rest, a lot of meditation. Um, and that was a big like aha moment. I feel like that was a huge lesson for me because I always say like, if you're alive, you're on your fitness journey and you can't fail it. There's no wagon to fall off. There's no like, I hate that phrase, like, oh, I've fallen off or like, I'm going to get back on it. It's like, on what? You know, like you are in your fitness journey always and life ebbs and flows. And you have different times and seasons in your life. And I believe movement should always be a part of that unless there's extenuating circumstances like mine. But ultimately, it's like having this view of waking up every day. What can I do today? At least one thing to care for myself and my health. That's my physical health, mental health, emotional health, spiritual health. Do one thing for you each day to care for your health. And... Usually for me, that includes exercise and meditation and sometimes other things, gratitude journals. You know, there's so many different tools you can use, but redefining that fitness yet again for myself, and I hope to encourage for others, it's like whether your life is in an ever flow, whether you're working out right now once a week or whether your workouts and your movement is just stretching at home or going for a walk, beautiful. What's never healthy is shaming yourself for doing less is being in a ebb period of life where you're not like in the gym five days a week and then you just feel guilty about that. That's only going to damage your mental and emotional well-being. So it's just about that understanding of that hard, hard time in my life post-surgery and that lesson of like, wow, caring for my health looks different right now. And that's just as awesome. It's just as important, if not more so, you know? Yeah. 
I I love that you explained how multifaceted this fitness journey is. Like it just it doesn't only include working, which I no. feel like we all think it does. And there will be times in your life, you know, for people who have kids and go through postpartum, like there will be times in your life where fitness and what we think of fitness is going to be resting and it's going to be sure. caring for our bodies in other ways. Sure. And I think when you reframe that in your mind, your fitness journey, quote unquote, really can be a lifelong journey, not just the times in your life where you're working out all the time. Yeah, it is a lifelong journey. And your behaviors affect that, whether you're cognizant of it or not. But becoming aware, like calling that awareness in, it frees you from all the pressure because there is no timeline, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Do you do so much to empower women, empower people in general on these fitness journeys? Do you have a best piece of advice or just a piece of advice in general that you would give particularly maybe to women, as I know they're kind of a vulnerable population when it comes to body image, but about someone who's struggling with their body image? Two of my favorite affirmations are, my body is a miracle. But I always say that with the second piece, which is I am more than my body. Mm. And I think in the face of this world where self-love has become such a buzzword and there's, you know, body neutrality and then there's body positivity and there's all sorts of these things, it, it can feel um, overwhelming. And I've lived for a very, very long time in a place where I would hear things like self-love and I would just roll my eyes and it it almost like hurt my feelings more because I'm like, well, I don't. And what I didn't understand then that I do now is that self-love is a verb. It's not a state of arrival. It's not a box to check. It's not something that happens if you look a certain way. It is a way of living. And self-love and living from a place of love for your body. And I do believe we should all be able to love our bodies. It doesn't mean we're never insecure. It doesn't mean that you are obsessed with every single thing about yourself. It doesn't mean that you don't want to change or grow, but absolutely we should love ourselves and our bodies. And that is the right of every human alive, but it is also the responsibility of every individual if they've arrived at a place where they don't feel that anymore, like I had and have different times in my life, to do the work to remember it. Because we aren't born hating ourselves or feeling like we're not enough or that we don't measure up. That is learned and that is not yours. And only you can do the work to change it, but that work, it's so important and it will impact your life positively in every other way. And so I would just say, remember that your body literally is a physical miracle. And also you're so much more than your physical body. And I think those two things can be beautiful gateways into remembering how to live from a place of respect and love and confidence in yourself and your body. So beautiful. Thank you. Thank you for those words and for being vulnerable. And uh, I just feel like I've had so many aha moments during this conversation, honestly, like so many things that are going to stick with me throughout the week and probably throughout my life. So thank I'm you so, so much, Kelsey, for You're welcome. joining us on the show and just honestly being who you are. Um, 
and helping so many women for all these years. Thank you. Just be nothing but yourself. It's the only thing we can be, right? (laughs) Yeah. I guess we don't really have a choice at a certain point. Um, But I would love to know, and I'm sure everyone listening and watching would love to know how they can support you, how they can keep up with your workouts. Let us know where they can go. Uh, yeah, I'm on Instagram at Kelsey Wells, Facebook, Kelsey Wells. I do host my own podcast. It's Redefined Fitness with Kelsey Wells. And hopefully season two will be out sooner than later. Um, but there's a whole season on there of like 43 episodes. And that's like where I get into all of this kind of stuff. Cause, um, as much as I try to write those novel captions, the, you know, <laughs> Instagram isn't really the place to get into these deeper, uh, questions. So that's where I can be unhinged Absolutely. and, you know, go as, as, as ramble as much as I need on all the topics and all the questions that most people ask me in my DMs. So, oh, awesome. Okay. Well, I personally cannot wait for season two. I will be keeping up with that. And thank you again, Kelsey. We were so happy to have you on the show. To everyone watching and listening, thank you for tuning in. Don't forget to subscribe, leave your reviews, let us know what you think, and we will see you next time on the shift. Thank you. 